Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Talk about being on the X. All right, this past year, actually the past two years, we have been working here at Wingman and with Eastman's, or through Eastman's, on a new sage-grouse film. And it's not just the sage-grouse hunt, guys. It's about sage-grouse and being in trouble and the impact that they have economically if their habitat is shut down. And Leupold was awesome enough to come on and sponsor that project. And so we got to use Leupold glass on on that project. And by glass, I mean spotting scope in particular. And I, I, I got to put a piece of glass that I've always wanted to try which was the Leupold Gold Ring Spotter to through the paces. I used it for glassing sage grouse on lek, for glassing habitat. I even used it last fall when we filmed the hunt portion of that project to look at birds and examine habitat and try to spot birds at a distance. And I was actually able to pick out some birds at a long ways away on a hillside where we were pretty sure there were grouse. And so we, before we went and walked it, we actually glassed it. And I used that, I used that loophole gold ring spotter. And I was actually able to turn up some grouse on a ridge top. And we knew they were there. We got in, got on the birds. So I guess my point is this. I had some questions about the loophole gold ring spotters. And I got to put them through the through their paces, not just for the Wingmen Sage Grouse project, but also I got to put them head to head with some of the other top spotting scope brands in the business for a review for Eastman's Hunting Journals. And this was not this was earlier this summer, of uh, 2022, and that spotter was so bright, so crisp, so clear that it blew me away. And so if, if you're looking for a, P, a set of, a new set of glass, a new spotting scope, maybe a new pair of binoculars, guys, you need to be checking out Leupold. Obviously, Leupold is known for making top-notch rifle scopes. That doesn't apply so much to us here in, on the wingmen side of things. We're not using rifle scopes unless we're hunting big game. We're not talking about that. But... For using a spotter and using binoculars, man, Leupold is our go-to here at Wingmen. They are top-notch, and I can't wait. I, I, I got a new idea about how to find chuckers in the late season when there's snow on the ground, and it's going to be using that Leupold Gold Ring spotter. I already use Leupold, the Leupold spotter for glassing up distant waterfowl feeds, Say I can, out here in the West, I can get a high vantage point and I can look over a large expanse of agricultural area and I can pinpoint without having to burn a lot of gas, which at $4 and plus a gallon these days <laughs> means a lot. Without burning a ton of gas, I can sit up on a high vantage point and use that loophole gold ring spotter to pick apart countryside and see where the ducks are feeding, where the geese are feeding, and I can scout a lot, a lot, a lot of area in a very efficient manner. So guys, if you're looking for a new spot or new set of binos, obviously a new rifle scope, please go to loophole.com and check out their full line of stuff and then go out to a retailer 
and get your hands on them. Get them outside, and I think you'll be as impressed as I have been. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Wingmen Podcast, and I got lonely in here, and a lot of people have been are out hunting, so I recruited Scott Reekers to come on today's podcast and join us. We're going to talk about dogs and expectations. Oh, I just fell over. Dogs and expectations for the coming season and kind of what we've got in the works uh, as far as plans go. And then hopefully in the coming weeks, I can I can start bringing you some guests again. A lot of guys are out hammering, and it's hard to get in touch with people to get saw to get. Not that you're not a solid guest, but to get like, I dude, you said you're getting lonely, and then I'm not a solid <laughs> guest. I'm I'm feeling the love here, man. You better no, send you me were, a Christmas you present. You were kind enough to come and, and ju- sit down and, and record a podcast with me, and I appreciate it. But what I meant is that you know it's hunting season. And dudes are out chasing stuff, and they're hunting, and it's hard to get guys to sit down and do podcasts, which I get. I completely understand. Um, so we're, we're going to try to continue to bring you uh, high-quality podcasts with, with top-notch guests as we continue. Just that time of year when things are things are rolling. It's that transition time for us, yep. Scott, where we're transitioning from yep. big game. And my focus as I'm trying to – starting to, to switch hats. Yep. You know, I'm – I wear that big game Eastman's editor hat most yep. of the year. And then the I take it off and put the wingman hat on um, as often as I can. And it's getting to be that time of year. It is. And it's, for me, it's kind of the same deal. And, and, you know, there's kind of some intentional rearranging the last few years with all the different properties and products. Wingman being one of them that we made some changes here at with Eastman's and I'm, I'm now doing a lot of the um, the digital research side of big game hunting, so I get to be busy with Wingman and all of our MRS and digital, you know, sortable digital things with Eastman's Tag Hub. But if you're a uh, Tag Hub member, you also get to see Wingman content a little bit sooner and get it distributed there and sent to you. That's right. We have put all the Wingman content, or most of it, <laughs> up on Tag Hub, which is super yep. cool. And... We literally just got a big kind of shot in the arm from the man himself, Guy Eastman, yesterday. Yep. He said he was in hunt camp in Montana, deer camp a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, and had a bunch of guys that were in camp, not just the hunt winner, but yep. some some other guys that were there. Yep. And they were talking about, man, the wingman content on Tag Hub is like awesome. We yeah. love seeing that on there. And that's been my favorite part, I think, about with, with wingman is that, you know, I'll do a little little bit of history. We Todd and I did not get to work on Wingman together, and so my role here at Eastman's is all digital media, and so Wingman fell underneath that umbrella. So Todd and I had to partner together to get this thing launched. But Todd was not here in the office for almost the first year that we're working together. Right. So a lot of those, a lot of that early social media that that you saw on Wingman was stuff that Todd was either filtering to me or I was finding and procuring from different places and doing that sort of thing. So the initial push, I was I was here trying to get that going until Todd could actually get his get his butt in the seat and get to be a, you know, a part of the on site team because you've been you were editing or you were doing proofing and copy right. editing things and that's how we kind of met you, but. 
over the last little while that's kind of transitioned. And at that point, like I was still, this was Powell has been my, the first place where I could waterfowl hunt with any level of consistency. And, and let's just be honest. If you're not waterfowl hunting with consistency, you're not going to be good. You're, you're not going to understand. You're not going to understand the migration in different places. You're not going to understand bird behavior. Um, and so, you know, it was definitely a, a needed transition for, for Todd to be able to do some of that, that content as well and really take it that next step up beyond just a guy who was, I would say, avid waterfowler, but didn't have the experience of someone who grew up in the Midwest and was able to do a lot, a, a lot more because of availability. And so that was, that was kind of a cool, cool transition in history, you know, so I don't know, as far as expectations go this year, I mean, I was thinking about that since you asked me to do this podcast, and honestly, my expectation this year is more birds than last year, because <laughs> last year was rough. We had a hard time, especially with geese mm-hmm. last year. A lot of our, we did not have consistent goose shooting here. Uh, the guys to the north of us up in Montana did pretty yep. well, but a lot of those birds stalled out. Yep, up around Billings and in that area yep. and on the Yellowstone, and those guys did pretty well. We just didn't have the time in the mm-hmm. schedule to travel yep. up into Montana much last year. And when our birds, when we finally got the weather we needed at the end of the season, mm-hmm. it was a little bit too much. Yep, it pushed a lot of birds completely out. Like I mean, gone, down gone. to Colorado, gone, and yep. and the birds that we did have. The conditions were, I mean, there was, there was two and a half feet of snow yep. in the fields. Yep. So it was like, you were going to be hunting very limited resources Yep. and it, it was tough. We did get a pretty good goose shoot in at the end of the year, but you're right. Our duck numbers were solid yep. all year and they're solid now. Yeah. I was, I've been out scouting a little bit and we opened here last weekend. Yep. I chose not to hunt <laughs> because we have... Ramsey Russell yep. coming in this weekend. He's going to hunt with us. Yep. And the two spots that I had the most birds, I'm saving. Yep. So I didn't want to burn any spots. Plus, we're like I said, we're in, we're still in mm-hmm. that big game transition. Yep. Where a handful of us in the office are trying to kill white tails, yep. and the white tail stuff happens in the same place yep. that the waterfowl stuff does in our area. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a funny time of year, but I'm with you on the expectations. But you have. We've got Ace, mm-hmm. your yellow lab, and he has been. You guys have seen him on and off in some of the yep. in some of the wingman videos. Um, Ace has been a work in progress yep. for you. He, there's been some massive struggles. Yep. There and, was, but but you started last year to get some wins yep. with him. So let's. Number one is that. If I had it to do over again, I'd have waited one more year to get a dog. Um, and the reason for that is that I ha- I had um, my my second child, my second daughter. Um, she was born in June. Ace was born in August. And so one thing that is, is just of note from the time perspective, um, and I think you and I had this conversation on one of the things to – one of the things you were going to watch out for is when you raise a dog with kids, a lot of their maturity will grow with the age of the kids because of how your kids behave and act. Um, and so having, 
having my oldest who was, was two at the time. And then just having had, um, my, my second, that was, that was a challenge. I was out in the backyard every single day with ACE. We were throwing wings. We were throwing bumpers. Um, he, he heals well now. Um, water's not an issue now, but we had some struggles with water. And I think one of them may have been that, that, that first year he actually fell in into the cold water before he was probably ready to be acclimated to that. Um, cause there was, and I think that's the point where he, if I, if I, mentally go back and really think about it because you and I brought him out on that goose hunt. Um, and remember when he retrieved that cripple for us and I mean, he, and he drive, drive on dry land is not an issue with him. In fact, we, we were both kind of impressed a few times because Mackinac's got a sniffer. I mean, his, his nose is, is pretty impressive, but Ace found a couple birds before Mackinac in the brush a couple of times. And so that was fairly impressive. Okay. He, he can do some things, but I had to spend an intensive summer really getting ace to the water four, five times a week. Right. And it had to be deep water and it had to be, um, there had to be the river mixed in, but it I also to had be, to make it fun. It has to be current mm-hmm. because that's one of the things yep. out here that, that I've noticed with, with Mackinac and now with Honda, mm-hmm. seen it with your dog, that they'll go into a pond or a lake. Yep. That's no big deal. And you, you guys have probably seen it on our on our videos too, where we'll I'll, you'll hear me say kill one bird, yep. or we'll shoot two birds, and you're like, man, those guys can't. What? Why aren't you getting rainouts on that? If we do rainouts on these rivers, we out lose here, birds, man. We lose a ton of birds. Yep. We could shoot one or two, depending on how many dogs we have in the spot we're hunting. Yep. Most of our spots, we can kill two, maybe three. Yep. And get them all. More than that, we run out yeah. of space. We start putting our dogs in jeopardy. Yep. And it just isn't practical yeah whereas when you hunt a marsh mm-hmm. or you're hunting a lake or a reservoir you can do rain outs yeah you can kill you know if you got four or five dudes in a blind you just lay into a flock of birds and you kill as many as yep. you can and they're not going anywhere yeah they're going to be out there floating in the lake and the dog you've got all day for that yep. dog to mop up birds so you getting ace introduced to current mm-hmm. is a big part of the deal because yep. it's unnerving you can see it in young dogs yep when they get in current for the first time it's like whoa what is this yeah i've noticed it with hondo because i introduced him very first water was a, a lake yep and it was warm and it was fun mm-hmm. and playtime and yep. splash around and then took him down the river and we splashed around and then the first time i threw a bumper I, I just kind of gradually a little mm-hmm. bit at a time, but I remember a look on his little face the first time I threw a bumper into the current. Yep. And he got out <clears throat> past the break and got in the current. And he was, you could see yeah. his body language change. And he was like, oh, now he adjusted on the fly yep. really well. And now it's no big deal. Yep. But yeah. So five times a week. It was, it was a lot of work, but, and I had to do a balance of, um, we brought the whole family out to the reservoir and we'd just go throw for ace. And, um, the girls were there cheering for him. Um, you know, sometimes Rachel would come along too, and we'd all cheer and we'd really make it, we had to make it fun for ace number one on the reservoir. 
And then the next step was that um, the first summer after he kind of started having his struggles, um, I did send him to a trainer because um, I need – number one, I had to make up for some of the lost time because of the family obligations and things of that nature. You hit on something right there that's really mm-hmm. overlooked. Um, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. You have four. Yep. They're all roughly the same age. Yep. Our kid, your your kids and my kids are very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest is a first grader. Yours is in kindergarten. Yep. And they go down from there. Mm-hmm. And our jobs mm-hmm. are time time wise are incredibly demanding here because we wear a lot of hats. Yep. And so scheduling time to train a dog. Yep. Is incredibly demanding. Yep. And then balancing that with family expectations. Mm-hmm. Now, you can try to work the family into it, like you were saying, mm-hmm. as much as you can. But there's there's times when that's not possible. Yep. I have personally run into that struggle with Hondo. Mm-hmm. Hondo is not – he is not at the point where I want him to be mm-hmm. training-wise because I simply have not had – been able to set aside that time to train as much as i'd like yeah and so in with the cornerstone gun dog 52 plus i should be much further mm-hmm. along than i am with hondo but the nice thing about that program is it's designed yep. as a self-paced program mm-hmm. when i see the when i get to a benchmark in the program and i see my dog is not he's not where i want him to be yep. with that benchmark I have the freedom to go back. Mm-hmm. And then and it, it all boils down to time. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about sending a dog to a trainer. Yep. There is zero shame yep. in that. Exactly. Especially for guys that have super busy schedules yep. like us. And that they just, I don't have time. And now. And, and in all honesty, Ace did so well going to Bo. And, and it took, it actually took me longer to figure out how to get the best out of what Bo had taught Ace than, than probably, um, you know, cause I got to give Bo a lot of credit. He did a lot of work with Ace. Um, Bo didn't, uh, or Bo didn't have enough moving water to break that fear when he was there, but Bo laid the foundation, um, of a lot of solid training and to be, you know, to be candid, um, cornerstone didn't exist when I bought ACE, you know, like it literally launched after I'd already bought ACE and was, and was well past that puppy phase. Um, I'd used a different book. It was, uh, it was game dog and Older book. Yeah. Th- yeah. And, and that one was for a long time. That book had really been one of the kind of the gold standards. I, you and Chris both recommended that book to me and I really thoroughly, you know, enjoyed using it. Um, however, when, um, I grew up with labs, but the intensive training to have an effective retriever versus just a, a dog that walks well and takes commands on, on, you know, tossing a tennis ball is very different. Mm-hmm. And so sending, sending ACE to the, to the trainer was as much about making sure that my dog reached the potential that he had, um, I don't think we found his ceiling yet. Um, I, I didn't get to. I didn't even get to tell you about this one. Um, last year, I had several successful opportunities to send Ace across the river, like like over the river to the entire other side. You can cast her, it completely yes, to the other side yes. of the river. That is a tough thing for it dogs is. to pick up. 
Yep. It's again, it goes <clears throat> back to that river. That river is an intimidating yep. thing for a dog. And if that dog can't see a bird flopping around on the other side yep. of the river, it's tough. Send them blind across a hundred yards worth of swift current <laughs> or 75 or 50, even 50 yards yep. is a challenge. It took, it took me a year of hunting Mackinac on the river yep. before it clicked. And, and I kept saying back, back. Yep. And then finally, you can't see a bird. I'll never forget it. I can't see, you can't see a bird and I know where the bird is and I'm sending him back on dry land. He'd go back for 400 yards, yep. but on a river, man, it's like, it's not here. I don't see it. I'm coming back. Yep. And I keep sending him back. And all of a sudden he turned and he swam the other bank and he immediately found the bird. Yep. And from that moment, he was a different dog yep. on the river. To the point where if he doesn't see a bird on the water and I, he hears me say back, he's going to the other yep. bank. He doesn't even hesitate. So the fact that you could get that accomplished, mm-hmm. that's a milestone. And here's a cool part is, you know, our, you know, one of our usual training spots on the river, yep. well, about 300 yards up, the river's not as wide across. And so I was able to um, take the bumper and I was able to throw it halfway up the hill. And Ace oh, wow. retrieved it three times. No kidding. Yes, I, I got. He's him. marking <clears throat> that visually. Yes, marking it. he marked it. He he needed a little instruction because the river's moving pretty fast in the spot. So he needed a little bit of instruction as far as where did he land? Mm-hmm. Like once he got there. But once I you know once I I cast him, he did just fine. So he's taking hand mm-hmm. signals. Yep. He's marking a bird from that distance. Yep. The only thing I'd like to get rid of, I mean, I don't know that I ever will, is I have to get give him the beep to get his attention sometimes and when he gets a hundred yards from me or so. Um, but I can, I can, I'm now at the point where I can give him the beep. If he's got flat enough ground on the edge of the river, he'll sit for me and then take instruction. Um, that's huge. That's it. That was that's a big huge. deal. And the beep is no different <clears throat> than a whistle. Yep. You know, if, if I'm working with Hondo in that situation, I'm going to whistle, mm-hmm. whistle, stop him. Yep. And we're still building that. Like I said, yep. I'm not where I want to be. If I was where I wanted to be with him, we'd be doing stuff like that. But yep. we're still on – I'm drilling down deep, mm-hmm. deep, deep into obedience. Yep. I walked him completely around the block last night with no lead and at heel. Wow. And, his, and he was at heel, not sniffing, not – I. Had, those are the types of things that I want to have absolutely concrete. Yeah. So that when we start going on deep diving into, into training and marking mm-hmm. and doing blinds, and the finer points of finishing a gun dog, I don't have to worry about obedience. I yep. know he's going to mind. Yep. That's so. huge that that you can get him just beep, and he yep. turns and pays attention to you because he's been – it's been interesting to watch him because he's been a – he's been in puppy phase. Yes. For he's, a He's a late bloomer. Time. Long time. Like – this would be his fourth season. Yep. And last year, it was his third season, and last year was the first season that I saw him, like, he knew what he was doing. Start to tune in. Yep. Like, looking for birds, paying attention, yep. and it's starting to click. Yep. And it doesn't, you know, most of the time you think, oh, I should be able to get pull that off in a year or two. No. But for him, it's taking yeah. extra time. I'm excited to see where he, to actually get out in the field and see where he's at. I'm excited to too. He's ready. I mean, he's uh, 
He's tired of sitting at home. Um, something that that um, I've actually been lucky. My parents moved here a few years ago, and dad dad's a sucker for dogs. I mean, dad dad loves dogs, and so there's one. I can't get mad because dad dad fuels his drive. Like dad will take him. Like right now, we've got construction going on in our basement, and so the guys are coming in and out of the back door. Well a lot of people wouldn't have a place to send their dog. Well, I send my dog with my dad and dad hunts with us. He's heard my commands. Um, and so he'll take ACE out in the backyard and they got a big field and dad will throw with him 15, 20 times, you know, part of it is to wear ACE out, you know, ACE needs, needs that exercise. Um, but ACE comes back still wanting more. And that's the trick. He's got to come back wanting more. Um, I didn't understand that a lot when I was, when I was first starting, I'd, I'd wear him out to the point where, I mean, he was done, not like, Oh, yeah, it did a good job, but no, that doesn't make them excited about the next one. They got to want just a little more. They got to, you know, you may do five retrieves across the river in deep water when he's capable of 10, but if you stop at five, he wants those five more for the next time. That, that increases drive. Well, dad has been able to take, just take a tennis ball, take a bumper and keep retrieving fun. That way, when we have those moments on the river where it's hard to see a duck that's stuck across on a snag that I know we can get, but I gotta, I gotta yell and give him commands loudly and things like that. He's still having fun. Um, and so he's been going over there, but the one thing is that dad's never, dad never did well with him is aces. And this is a fair warning for you. Ace is going to drop that bird at your feet. He's not going to put it in your hand. Um, and so I've got to, I'm going to work on that probably next summer, but I, I can't fight it in season. Well, so. it's one of those things where, and that gets into force fetch and whether or not guys are fans of force fetch. Hondo does not like to hang on to things either. Yeah. He likes to bring them and drop them. And so I, the one thing that Cornerstone has taught me and changed my view on training is the effectiveness of positive reinforcement yep. versus just repetition yep. of what your what your yep. expectations are. And so one of the things that I've been doing with Hondo is when I make him pick it up, first of all. Yep. But then letting him hold it mm -hmm. and making him hold it, not clamping his mouth shut, but just letting him hang on to it for yep. a minute. And he he's he's getting better. I'm I'm excited to get him in the field a little bit. Yep. There's going to be times when I recruit you and say, Yeah, I need you to shoot. <laughs> Hopefully I shoot straight. I need straight. you to bring your, your freaking <laughs> A game. <laughs> and yeah. But because I'm I'm going to need to just just yep. monitor the dog. Yep. Where I can all have to worry about shooting. I am handling Hondo. Yep. And it's this is a total transition year mm -hmm. with him. And Wingman's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yep. Some of the stuff because there's gonna be times when I'm just gonna have to say, you know, no, he's gonna stay home a lot. Yeah. I it and it goes that goes contrary to how I've trained my dogs in mm -hmm. the past. It was get them in the field, get them hunting, get them involved, make yep. it fun, make it positive. Yep. But exposure, 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 yep. exposure. But both of the dogs, both the last labs I've had, have developed bad habits because I pushed too yep. hard too soon. 
<laughs> um, Mackinac is now becoming very, very steady because he's nine years old. Yeah. And there's times when he's like, I don't want to go in that water or I'm tired, you know, or you see it on the video that we're going to drop this weekend where he, we shot 25 birds that day yep. and he retrieved all but one. And where was I that day? Fairly <laughs> simple retrieves. You guys had a meeting that you had to do. Uh, no, it was a really small spot and it was one of those deals where yeah. I had room for me and a cameraman and that was it. But <laughs> It was really that was it was a good hunt, but you see it early in the video. He's charging out there, yeah, breaking, mm-hmm. not steady, which is something that's a bad habit that Mackinac has. But by ten birds in, he's waiting for me to send him. Yeah, he's tired. Yep, he's like, okay, now he's still in, mm-hmm. he's still engaged. He still yeah. wants to go, but he'll wait. Yep, and I don't want that with Hondo. My dog previous to Mackinac was the same way. Mm. I had to put in layout blinds. I had to put her 15 yards behind us. Yeah. Because when we sat up to shoot, she was gone. Yep. And I wasn't a good enough dog trainer at that time. I just mitigated the problem is all I did. I hunted with the same guys all the time, so they knew no low birds. Yeah. Josie's going to be out there, you know, right underneath us. And so, okay, I don't want that limitation with Hondo. I want a dog. I want Hondo to be steady. I want him to be the best dog he can possibly be. And so I'm not going to push him this first year. Get him out. Get him in the field. There's a reason I haven't hunted pheasants with him. Yep. A dog has a sniffer. You think Mackinac has a nose? Really? Hondo's twice as good. I'm I'm going to try Ace this year on on a field. Um, I've got him – he he takes the commands pretty well, and I I may I may try and go out a little bit for some pheasant and just just for fun, with the expectation that I've the work I've done with Ace for the most part has been all waterfowl, and I'd like to I, I intentionally did that, um, but going out and going after some pheasant might just be fun for him, and so that might be something that that I do uh, a little more this year. Um, Plus, I've got a, cu- a couple of college students from church who want to do that, and they've got the licenses. They can actually afford a non-resident license for that. Mm-hmm. And so we may do a little bit of that. Um, but I, with steadiness with Ace, it's been, it's been a progression of, you know, figuring out that first year, why am I here? Um, I, do you remember when he when Ace was a pup and he fell asleep on the pile of birds because it was warm? You know that was that was one of those times that he he uh, you know he showed like he showed that he he liked the birds. He was never afraid of the birds, but it was one of those moments where like okay, now I've got to work on this attentiveness mm-hmm. to it, and that's been um, that's that's steadily gotten better. Um, he's a creature of habit in that. He likes going to the same spots. I don't like say if we ran down to one of your other spots, like and took the boat or something like that. I don't know how Ace would do. Part of that and is so. that's just a dog thing, and Cornerstone talks about that. In your dogs, dogs are very situational, mm-hmm. where they will respond. If you're training in the backyard all the time, they're tra- guaranteed that they're going to get your training there. Great. And then the first time, and they're going to knock it out of the park. They're going to be like, yeah, yep. my dog's perfect. And the first time you take them someplace else, yep. they don't listen. They don't do the, what you want them to do. 
because they don't transfer that behavior in their yeah. brain. Their brain doesn't work that yep. way. And so it takes repetition. We do hunt a lot of the same places over yep. and over and over again where, yeah, he knows. Yep. You know, Chris Holworth's a fine example of that with his dogs. He's got spots that those are the only places he hunts. Yep. And when he goes there, Chris will say, Jones, find, find, your, spot. find your spot. And that's just his command. It's mm-hmm. his version of yep. place is what it is. Yep. And Jones will run over poop, and sit down. You know, stay there. Mm-hmm. He knows where he needs to yep. be. Mackinac's the same way. I take him down to the bl- to the to either of the blinds down here on the river, and he knows exactly where he's supposed to be. Yep. I took Hondo out once this year, and I again zero expectations, mm-hmm. knowing I'm going to have to fight him, and he understands place. But it took multiple times yep. of me saying Hondo place. And literally physically putting him where I wanted him to be. Yep. Until he understood, oh, this is this is place. Okay. Yep. Part of that is I'm transferring place around the house mm-hmm. in different areas where his bed. Yep. It's place. I'm I'm gonna take a towel on the next dog that I get. Um, Chris actually told me this trick. This is one that he's used with a lot of his dogs for that spot command that he does. I'm gonna take a towel and I'm gonna make that their spot in the backyard. Well, similar to like using using a pallet, you know, like the way yeah. I, the way I've seen that done. Um, so I'm gonna take that towel and that towel is gonna go go to every blind with us. That's a good so, idea because what a lot of guys do and where where we are with where I am with Hondo now is the next step is the like the Momarsh platform. Yeah. I'm not going to use the Momarsh platform yep. for two reasons. One, we don't have the luxury of uh, – they're a great tool. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. I don't have the luxury of taking a Momarsh platform with me every yep. single place I go. Yep. We don't hunt out of a big boat. Yep. We don't have big established blinds that yep. have spots. We are running and gunning a lot of the time out here. We hide willows half the time. S- yeah. My dog needs to sit and stay where I tell him <laughs> to sit and stay. Yep. Mackinac is very good at that. Um, it took a while to get there. Yep. I'm expecting the same thing with Hondo. Ace is figuring that out. Yep. I remember, yeah, I remember the first couple of years, two years ago especially, he was a hazard. Yeah. Like to the point to where up. we said, guys, when we would get out of the blind or do something yep. and Ace was, you know, not on his place. Yep. It's like, all right. Either have your gun in your hand or pick it up or unload it. Yeah. Because that dog's going to knock a gun over. Yep. It was a danger. fight for about – it was a fight for about the first two months of that season. Right. To get that right. And I – and I, you know, part of it is I broke that. I tied him up uh, to, 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 to do that. And then, honestly, I had to use a shot collar. Like, part of it is my dog is he, – he is your prototypical meathead in, oh, in, a, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. A and he doesn't realize how big he is. This is just – this is a note for anyone who has multiple dogs or if you get a, if you get a retriever but have other breeds of dog. Um, Ace grew up with a Boston Terrier. So, some of the ways that he plays and things, it's like a small dog. And so, I had to break that when we're hunting. It doesn't bother me when he's in the backyard playing right. playing with copper or anything like that. They're having fun back there. Um, but when it comes to being in the hunting situation, you are going to fight that if you have other breeds of dog. They, they will take each other's behaviors and, and things like that. And that's where your training comes <laughs> into play. You know, that's, that's where when you teach place, like I am with 52+, plus. 
that's where that obedience yeah. is. It's rock solid. So I don't have to worry about my dog running through the blind and knocking guns yep. over. He Because he's on place where I told him to yep. be, and he's not moving off of that. But it took a while. Yep. It took a while to get there. And it's been as much of a learning as it, as it is for anybody that trains a dog, myself included. There's as much learning on the trainer's side yep. as, there in on the, as there is on the dog's side. And no two dogs are the same, Mm-mm. too. I mean... Like it's it, it's funny. Yes, I I'm a I'm a firm believer that you can stack the deck in buying a um in, in buying a high dollar dog and you get those lines and you are there. But there is never a guarantee that your dog is going to turn out. You could screw it up. The dog might just not have it. Uh, I mean, that, like you can't. That's like expecting every single person who plays um, plays football to be to have the ability to become a, an NFL player. That's not possible. You know, not every person. They everyone has a ceiling. Every dog has a ceiling, and so that's why you can like ace. It, it, just full full disclosure. Ace was a Facebook special, you know, and it was a, it was a situation where I had been wanting a dog for a while, but we weren't in a position where I could spend say $2,000 on a dog, which I'm going to do it next time. Like Rachel and I've talked about that. We're going to spend quite a bit more money on, on my next dog. Um, or it's going to come from, from, a a, uh, a bloodline that I know and trust. That's the more important thing. That's the more important thing. It's, it's not what you spend on the dog. It's, how much research yes. you put in. You know, you look at Chris's dogs, for example. We know that that line of dogs are hunters. Mm-hmm. We know that that the majority of the puppies that come out of Chris's litters are turn out to be yep. solid gun dogs. Yep. Solid gun dogs. Um, so that's the more important yep. thing. What you get into with, with more expensive dogs, say from Southern Oak or another breeder like that, is you're paying for those pedigrees. Yep. And so what they've done is they've taken Tom Brady and Serena Williams. I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but they've taken <laughs> those genetics from high-performance athletes, if yep. you will, and they've combined yep. them. They've taken, okay, this dog is the top of the, top of the line over yep. here. This dog's top. They've bred that, and those lines go are old, and they go back a long, long ways. Yeah. We can't do that with people. Yeah, you start getting into like Nazi Germany stuff, like, <laughs> you know, and it's, you can't do that. Oh, we're into but, eugenics as long as it only applies to dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's funny because when it's when it doesn't work, yeah, it's called inbreeding. Yeah, when it does, it's called line breeding. Yeah, you ask ranchers that, you know, and it's like, yep. but it's it's that you're breeding for characteristics, you're breeding for behaviors, you're yeah. breeding for drive, you're breeding mm-hmm. for ability. We can do that with dogs. Yeah, and so while I could, I agree with you. Every dog has its a ceiling, yep. if you will. When you spend that money or when you research a line, yep. that's what you're paying for yep. in pedigree. You're paying for, you know, I don't know that you're this dog paying is going for to a be better exact, chance. Exactly, and yeah, I got. I was like you with my first, my first. We had a family lab growing up, and she was great. Again, get back into the mm-hmm. into the busy dad yep. busy life dad didn't have time to train that dog it's a wonder that she could even obey any commands let alone turn out to be the re- the epic retriever that yep. she was we talk about that all the time with that dog her name was carly and she was the family dog growing up 
And we shot so many birds over yep. that dog. And everything she did in the field was self-taught. Mm-hmm. Dad did basic obedience stuff at home, and then he ran out of time. Yep. And sending her to a trainer wasn't really an option. Yep. And so it was like, well, she'll be what she's going to be. And she was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it was just total luck. Some of them just get it. She was f- – and females have a tendency to be more yeah. that way than males, I, in my experience. But I'm sure I'm going to get some hate on that, but that's the way it is. It, I run uh, – the last two I've had, I've got males. I, I, I like the little extra size. I like yeah. I like the personality of the mm-hmm. males a little bit better. Um, Just that. I'm not going to go deep into that. It's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. But my first personal dog that I bought, Josie, was same thing. Mm-hmm. She would have been a Facebook special if Facebook existed yeah. back then. Yep. It was a paper plate <laughs> on a, you know what I mean, yep. in a Gander Mountain on the cork board up front. Mm-hmm. And I saw the paper plate with the numbers on it, AKC Lab Pups, and I grabbed a number and called the guy. I went over there and I bought a dog that afternoon. Yeah. And through sheer, she was, she, her bloodline was, it was kind of like Chris's dogs. Yeah. They were good dogs. They were well-established dogs. Um. Chris's dog's probably better, honestly, yeah. than hers, than her, than her background. But what she had the advantage of is I was single and I worked after yep. I worked shift work. I had all the time in the world yep. for that dog. And we worked constantly. Yep. I mean, constantly. There was a Catholic church across the street from my house, had a huge lot in town. Yep. And there was woods and there was open, yep. but it was, and it all had mercury lights. Mm-hmm. You know, yard lights or whatever, all that. So it was lit up even at night. Yeah. I train at night. I yep. get home. We train in the morning when we got up. We train midday. Yep. At lunch. We train at night when I got yep. home because I had nothing else to do. Yep. And chicks used to be like, oh, yeah, go out for dinner. Let's go on a date. I'm like, I'm training my dog. <laughs> you know, and it was. She kept me from a lot of trouble, probably, to be real honest with you. but Probably saved you from a, from a bad marriage earlier in life or yeah, something? More than likely. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> but, so that dog was phenomenal. Yeah. And unfortunately, I only had her for three years. And she got hit by a car. Uh, but she was kind of like the gold standard. By yeah. Which be, and it was because that was the first dog I trained completely on my own. And I used the Richard Walters books. Yep. You know, Cornerstone didn't exist at that yep. time. There were other training programs, but the yeah. book was twenty dollars, nineteen ninety nine, and I was a I was poor. That was what I used. And, and he made his repetition. fame on his he made his fame on the fact that he's like, look, you can. Tr- I'm writing these books for the guys who want hunting dogs. This is not about having that um, 100%. Like, because there were a lot of books that were out there that were all about taking your dog to trial and getting them to do and those. His, specific, and his, and his dogs, was, yeah. And yeah, you're right. But, I mean, the Walters the Walters books, he was he field trial guy. Yeah. I mean, he did all that too. But, yeah, he was that was pretty yeah. much the focus. And his, his books were revolutionary in the fact that they took your dog, they took a program, like what we have today with Cornerstone, mm-hmm. and it was a they broke it down yep. a week by week pro, yep. progress progression. Um, now, as Josh Parvin and Corey Wages and Barton Ramsey would tell would all yep. tell you, we know a lot more about yep. dogs now than we did we do. then, and we've and we've played with different uh, methods yep. 
I'm going to be real honest with you. I will never train a dog without clickers and treats again. Yeah. It was stuff that took Mackinac weeks yeah. to, to get, to really get dialed and took lots of frustration mm-hmm. and too much force. Yeah. Was cake with Hondo. Ace likes a treat. Yep. My like Ace likes, um, without actually dad and I, I, I did that when we were, we, when we needed to reinforce water, what we did is it was a tail end of goose season. And we, it was after one of our hunts. that was kind of like, it was a total struggle bus session. And so I think you gave me some geese and I had a couple that I had killed and we took them all, stuck them on the bank. And I literally walked out in the water out on the river and I threw those geese out there and dad released him and he brought, um, an ace brought the geese back to dad, but he would go out there cause he could see where I was at. He had to build up the confidence that he could do it. We did it with the vest. It was the only thing missing would have been shotgun noise to make us as real as possible. But dad reinforced with treats that this is the right thing to do. Yep. And that, um, that was probably the high water mark of how we were able to do that. He started, um, he, he started his inhibition of jumping in the water changed at that point. Um, he still likes to be able to confirm visually, but I won't ever do it without treats. I'm going to do more treats earlier. Well, when you, when you go to do your next one, I would highly recommend the cornerstone program and it has been extremely effective. It's been very, very easy to follow. (laughs) The fact that I wish it existed when I started with ACE, I I, honestly, I'm beating myself up over lack of progress where we're, where I am with Hondo. But the fact that I could walk around the entire city block last night in the mm-hmm. dark with no lead, I had a lead with me. Yep. I didn't put it on him. And there's people and there's cars and cats and other dogs barking. <laughs> and he was glued to my leg the entire time. And I was, I, I got home and I told my wife, I said, I think we're ready to move into the next the next progression mm-hmm. um but yeah that program is like i said it's 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 leveled it's tiered it is uses reinforcement techniques that were totally foreign in walter's day yeah and i was concerned with i've always been concerned about the clicker and treat thing mm-hmm. in that i don't i didn't i I had reservations with that method of that the dog is only going to do a behavior because it's going to get a reward. Yeah. And when I don't get a reward, it's going to stop doing that behavior. That has not been the case. You phase what what the progress is. The progression is you phase that out over time. Yeah. Little by little to the point where when you, like last night, I didn't even have a clicker in a tree mm-hmm. bag. I just said heel. And he was glued yeah. to my leg. And that's big. Yeah. So so it's that it's that phasing things out over time. But anyway, ton training and minutia. The point of all this is that we're going into a brand new year. Yes, we've had some duck seasons that have been open. Yeah. I went out early. I went out early. I didn't get out for the first well, split at all. I normally split, do, but I first split didn't here this in time. Wyoming is tough. We have some local birds. There's actually quite a few birds around. I was pleased to see that. Um, but it falls right in the middle of big game season. And you know, if you're a deer, if you're a, if you're a if you're a big game hunter, if you're like chasing mule deer, mm-hmm. elk, antelope, you're and you have weekends. 
where you got to choose what to do yeah. with a block of time off. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to go chase ducks, you know, in the end of September yeah. or first part of October when I have a very limited time to chase those big game species. And duck season opens, well, it opened last weekend, and it doesn't close now until the middle of January. And, you know, one of the reasons I was able to get out some for the first split, it, it was twofold, is I made it, part of it was one of our blinds. Um, I made it a work-related thing and that i hauled a bunch of decoys the last two years down there and i yep. just did an opening day alone with ace right um, and so i did that um and so i was able to i was able to justify it but i also had deer on the ground already because i i hunt some of western wyoming's early right. early rifle yeah, hunt deer early hunt stuff. and and i'm just going to be honest like I, I know all the elk guys who listen to this or you know because i'm sure there are quite a few that go back and forth because guys who like to call it like like ducks they like elk um but man i'm a mule deer hunter when it comes to big game i am a mule deer hunter I, i'm starting to get a little of, a, of an affinity for whitetail i blame you for that todd um but it's like one of those lays, man you can't do just one <laughs> so maybe i'm just a deer guy and just need to call it that instead of uh, being a, a fanatical mule deer hunter um but in that early split it gave me a pretty good idea what what our residents were heading right. into heading into that second split. So um, that was kind of fun. Um, but that first split, I was I was done hunting and I was didn't have elk hunts. I didn't have elk hunt till end of October, beginning of November. So I had that first full two weeks to kind of do what I want and right. hang out. And I wasn't going to screw up any of our later opportunities because the birds would have probably changed out by then. Well, you see, what you talked about was a lot of our resident birds are the first push. Yeah. We don't have a lot of resident waterfowl here. Especially the way they we're run starting, that river. We're starting to get some geese. Yeah. That live year round. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see them. They're residents. Yep. And, and they don't leave. They're here all summer. They raise broods on the river and on the reservoirs in the area. And then you'll, in August, when they start combining barley, you'll start seeing those small family groups. Yeah show up there was a field this summer out uh east of here it was middle of august Mm -hmm. and it was loaded really honkers yes (laughs) and they were all residents really they're all in little family groups yeah i watched them come and go and i was like those are all geese that have been raised right here in this area yeah those are not migrators so but for the most part Mm -hmm. we get two waves of migrators we get our early birds which come in late late august early september and into into early October, and those are your blueing teal, yep. gadwalls. Um, of course, there's some mallards in there. Yeah. We see a bunch of shovelers yep. mixed in there. I and have yet to shoot a shoveler, believe it or not. Don't waste your time. <laughs> It'd be fun to do it just no, to have done the it. Drake shovelers especially are, are a bird that they're, they are a cool-looking bird. Mm-hmm. If you can shoot a fully plumed one like right now, yeah. a lot of our reservoirs, you don't shoot shovelers on the river hardly ever. Yeah. Because of their feet, the way they feed, mm-hmm. they're a certain kind of a surface filter feeder. Yep. They don't dabble. Like mallards will get, will tip up feet or they'll get head down and they'll root around. Yep. And shovelers will do that, but their bills aren't designed yeah. for that. They're, they're, they skim, they're skimmers. You watch them. And because of that, they like still, they like mm-hmm. either big, yeah. big rivers with lots of open water or, ponds sloughs things like that where they can swim and skim we see the most of them here on the water treatment 
<laughs> north of town. Yeah. On the sewer ponds. That's where all the shovelers are. Yeah. And I was I was swung by there the other day, and there was a bunch of shovelers really? out there. And they're yeah. a cool bird, but... So that so then we we tra- that's our first. I want one so I can knock it off my list, Todd. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Those are our first split birds, mm-hmm. and then our second split birds, we get mainly mallards. Uh, you we get some widgeon mm-hmm. mixed in, especially in certain areas. Yep. Certain rivers systems carry birds differently. Yep. Um, the the river we hunt here is predominantly mallards yeah where you used to live you got a lot more variety so i've only a, gotten to do that with a you bunch once of different birds there yeah. yeah lots of widgeon mixed in there were gadwalls that stayed all year mm. um we get a surprisingly large number of teal here yep and i see more pintails up here um but our late birds yeah so it's probably mallards pin pennies green wing teal widgeon um and Gadwall's pretty rare, late. And then our when it gets really cold is when our divers show up. And that's where we get our golden eyes. <laughs> and I tease you about golden eyes, but there is one golden eye that I've I've killed one and I didn't recover it. Yeah. I crippled it. Yep. And couldn't could not pin it down. And it's a barrows. You actually called me to tell me that story because yep. of how much I've... I was upset because I wounded this bird. And I sailed him, made a poor shot, and I sailed him, and we couldn't catch up to him on the river. A crippled golden eye on the river is no joke. Yeah. You know, they combine that ability to dive with the current, and they're almost impossible. Yep. So you got to kill them dead. But I really like to shoot a barrows. Yep. And actually, like, recover one mm. and pictures of it. Maybe even mount it, because they are a really cool bird. And we do get some. Yep. Down where we, out where we are there's we don't see very many but if you go to us other part of this river system we're on there are more barrows yeah and uh of course geese lots we get lots of geese. i i need to get because i still have not gotten um a good mount or mallard yet i found a couple that i wanted but after i looked at them once i got them home like now if you're getting turned into you know just just to have that on my wall i've got um i've got a redhead that i shot here a few years ago that's up on the wall um but redheads here are rare i I mean it's very rare um chris was telling me about once every 10 years Mm -hmm. and so it it, man that thing came in just screaming and i hit it as it worked its way left and and put it and put it down in the river and then chris's dog jones actually recovered it and brought it to me um but it was it was cool to get it then chris chris actually does some taxidermy yep. and he surprised me with it he oh, cool. he brought it home because um, he was going to stay out there for a little while longer and i, I thought he was going to do do here he was doing something with it or whatever so i was like, ah, you can take it and eat it or whatever i didn't you know i i, I got my pictures with it. it was so that's all i figured i was going to go then he surprised me a couple months later with that's it that's cool and so i had no idea he was doing it you know i just, I just thought he was going to cook it or because i could see like there was there's kind of a a little little twinkle in his eyes yeah, so yeah that was yeah. so that was i think it was already going on the river what he wanted to do so that was cool um but i'd like to get a little bit of variety up in my house i'm getting to the point now where i've got i've, I've got several mule deer that are up hanging on the wall european mounts um but i'm i need to get a few more birds and so i'm probably when you know um when it's not the uh 
when it's not the melee volley when we've got five or six guys in where you know you're pretty sure you hit it but there's another dude who shot pretty close yeah. to you at the same yeah. time when it's maybe when it's just me and you if i can kill a couple of decent decent we mallards some gorgeous mallards here so. and and that's a result of the fact that our seasons are yeah. run nice and late but yeah yeah that kind of gets back into what you were saying earlier about um getting time under your belt i mean you've been you've been a waterfowler wing shooter for about what five six seasons now yeah as far as actually taking it serious right. is what i, I right. mean and that's that's kind of what know. i meant you know when you started off and you were talking about how we started wingmen and it was i threw this wild idea out there for this western waterfowling mm-hmm. magazine and this is what it yep. has evolved into over time and, but yeah, I wasn't here. You I weren't was here, and I was and coaching, and, and I was out shooting with Chris. Just yep. he, I, I was kind of under his yep. tutelage at that point, so that's why it kind of worked. No, and it was and it was good. But what you said earlier is it it takes time <laughs> to takes time and practice. We could dovetail that in with the dog with the dog <laughs> training. It takes time and practice and consistency yep. before you get. It starts out okay. I just want to shoot a duck. Yep. And then, okay, now I want to shoot a limit. Yep. Or a certain type of duck. And then it's whatever. The natural progression of hunting where it gets into, you know, it's about how. Yep. I'm at the point where I like shooting limits. Obviously, most people do. But I'm at the point where it's how I'm doing it. And... I'm taking a step back too by bringing a new pup into this, mm-hmm. where there's got to yep. be success for that pup too. So, yeah. But those years, it, you know, the learning of the different aspects of whether it's paying attention to okay, the birds. This is the type of habitat the birds mm-hmm. the birds like, or this is, you know, when the weather's like this, I see the most birds here, or they react like this, or. When I set my decoys in this in this way, I get lots. I get good results. Yep. That takes time. It takes repetition yep. to establish patterns. Yep. To establish, okay, this works here, or this works here, and oh man, I'm not doing that again, yep. or you know, whatever it may be. One of the things that took me time to realize out here is that I don't really use a spinner on the yeah. on the river. Not often. Not very often. Um, there's times, but I honestly feel that when I'm hunting this river, yep, a, with a spread bunch of decoys in a nat, set in a natural position where the current is naturally moving them, and they look like a group of feeding or contented ducks, yep, in a place where ducks actually would be resting, yep, uh, without a spinner, I think that sets my spread apart the- anymore. Because if you, I think if you, yeah. like last weekend on the opener, um, I went out and I was actually um, doing a little bit of deer hunting that day. And there was a massive amount of gunfire up and down the river. Yep. Lots of guys hunting ducks. Yep. And I guarantee you if, that if I could have flown a drone over up and down that river corridor, I would bet you almost every single person would have had at least yep. one spinner in their spread and maybe more. The only time I will use a spinner is the start of the second split. 
Um, and I'll use it for about that first two weeks, but anything after that, I don't feel like it's been effective for us. Well, one of the things that you, you have to keep in mind too, with, with those, and I'm talking about hunting them over water because yep. they're, it's a non-negotiable hunting dry field mallards. Oh yeah. You have, you to, have, have to have to have multiple to. spinners. Um, they just, I, we have our greatest success yep. with multiple spinners. You need at um, least six, eight, and you need them strategically placed to draw attention or distract if your hide sucks. Yes. Yeah, because we've, we've tried it. I remember when we went, we did one particular hunt without spinners, mm-hmm. and we got butts kicked. Yep. And it was like, you throw spinners in there. Oh, yeah. Different ball game. Yep. Well, was, anyway, we, we see that. But up and down the river, I'll throw one out, mm-hmm. and it's nice to have one with you all the time. Yep. Because you you might put it out, and there was one hunt we did last year. In fact, it was the it was the day we smashed twenty five. Yep, we killed a five man limit of of mallards. That morning started out very auspiciously, because we had hundreds of birds trying mm-hmm. to get into that spot, and I had a spinner going. If you remember correctly, there was a group of bird, a big raft of ducks that floated down yep. from upriver, and I had the spinner kind of set upwind. Those birds would decoy to it. And come across in front of us. Those birds coming from down the river would see that spinner and it freaked them out. Freaked them out every single time. Did it three or four times. I was like, yank that spinner. And I think you ran out, got it. Yep. And took the wings off it and stashed it behind the blind. There's other times when it's, especially when it's bright and sunny, it's highly effective to have a spinner. So it's, you got to play that by ear Mm -hmm. where... Watch what your birds are doing. If they're not committing, flying high, or they're being real weird about your when you got a spinner out, take it down. Yep. Take it down, see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you nine times out of ten that the next couple birds that come by will give you a harder look, if not decoy altogether. And I, I think one of the mistakes that can easily be made is, and this it, it doesn't matter which venture you do, um, but one of the things is learning to adapt quick enough or not adapt or not overthinking it because there's a fine balance because we could we could pull that spinner too early and not realize that that's what's been drawing them in from up high or behind us and pull it too soon and then things completely change and they disappear or if we don't pull it soon enough like recognizing that with the raft because that was definitely the spinners that did it um but you can you have to recognize that okay we better pull that because it was the spinner that freaked them out Mm -hmm. but on the same end you know understanding your conditions for that day that's the big thing but you spend money on something guys want to use it and that's the hardest part is admitting that you've got this anywhere from hundred to two hundred dollar tool depending on what you bought and you're not going to use it a lot of times we justify using it well i bought it i may as well but that Set your ego aside on the dollar figure that's assigned to that, and know that it's about the hunt that you have. Or the, or the, the it worked. Yeah. Last week, so I'm going to keep using it. Yep. Well, ha- again, it goes back to experience. If if you're only out there once in a great while, and well, let's face it, if you're only out there once in a great while, you're probably not a real avid duck yeah. hunter, water water fowler, whether it's ducks, whether it's geese. And so, if it's just something that you're doing for yep. whatever, okay, that's fine. But if you really want to take all that to that next level, yeah, you have to do it a lot. Yep. It's no different than if you want to be a great basketball player, you got to shoot hoops a lot. 
Yep. You got to work on your ball handling exactly. and your fundamentals. You know, anything that you want to pursue to a and be good at takes time and it yep. takes effort. And that's waterfall hunting is no different. Upland hunting yep. is no different. I was laughing the other day. We were my wife and I were hunting antelope three weeks ago now, four weeks ago, and we're driving along. And I said, "Man, I said this would be a great spot to find a covey of chuckers." We didn't go another hundred yards. Found them. Boom! Right there. <laughs> she looked at me, and we got out. And I I I had Hondo. Yeah. We got out, and we got it. I let him get into those birds. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. But she looked at me. She's like, "How did you know?" Out of all this sagebrush and wide open, yep. godforsaken looking country, <laughs> how did you know that there'd be chuckers here? And I just said, "There's a look. Just there's a look to it. Hey. It's no different. We talk about this with big game. Yep, it's no different than there should be an elk there. I Nine I can look at a hill. You get that look. Yep." You're going to find the animal you're looking for. I can look like this is, and this isn't a pat on the back. This is, I've looked at so many bucky spots anymore. I can look at a spot and I can tell you, those are the top five places you need to look like for, for a deer in the high country. Um, and I usually find bucks there. Like it's just, it's just a matter of the work that you do to understand what should be there. Like it's, our spots like we've got we've got access to some great places that we use pretty regularly but we we sit above the hill and look down at it and we know where the birds want to be so yeah well, and, and that onyx for me is is a big one because i will pull up onyx when i'm going when i know i'm going into a new spot say i see a bunch of a, a bunch of geese headed into a headed into a field and I, I can't see it, you know, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, but I see them dump down into something. The first thing I'll do is pull up Onyx. Yeah. And I want to see what the shape of that feet, where, what they're, what they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's a knoll, if there's a hill, yep. if there's a divot, if there's a, you know, if there's a bushy yep. edge, because that's going to totally dictate where yep. I set up. Same with ducks. I'll see a big swirl of ducks going down on the river. And I'll go, okay, what's in there? Yep. And nine times out of ten, there's a back channel. There's a side eddy. There's Russian olives mm-hmm. in there. I was just about it's to say Russian olives f- hanging. Yeah. It's not just a flat, deep, or flat, fast stretch of water because there's no place for them to hunt. There's no place for yep. them to rest. There's bends. There's ox, you know, whatever it might be. There's a reason that those animals are there, whether it's birds, whether it's deer, whether it's yep. elk. And that takes repetition. That takes time. That takes – those are the things that, that build experience. And, you know, that gets back into what you said earlier. That's where you're starting to come into that mm-hmm. after six years, seven years in this. And your dog is starting mm-hmm. to come into this because he's you're getting the repetition. You've built the time. You've spent the time out there yep. where – it's like, yeah, the, all of this is starting to click, and there's fewer surprises every time you go, and there's more success Yep. every time you go. Well, last year was a pretty cool deal. I, I got to get out solo or just like my father-in-law came with me a couple of times where it was just me and me shooting. He, he wasn't shooting. He was just along to watch Ace work and that sort of thing. And 
we got single man limits and we were able to do that with ace i was able to like didn't lose a single bird done by nine o'clock but it was pretty fantastic Yeah, you're not there shooting till noon to kill five birds yep right so and and there were a few times i had giant groups i didn't shoot into because i was down to one bird you know things like that so there were there were a whole lot of opportunities that um that were kind of just just fun to do and deal with so it was a good time it was it was cool i'm hoping for a few more of those days um I, i mean if you know, this year I'm not going to get to haul all the decoys down um, like I normally do. I actually kind of relish week. that. Yeah, That's well, gonna let be me know if you need some Thursday help. and probably Friday. I have to get the blinds set up, and the one blind that we have collapsed under yeah. the snow we got last year, and so I have to rebuild that. Um, that blind actually has decoys in it. Mm-hmm. The that again, that blind I didn't. I went to get it cleaned out, and we got all that snow. Well, then that snow melted, turned into mud. And by the time I could get in there, it was like, I'm just going to leave them. And then mm-hmm. I went down in, I went down in to get them and the blind had collapsed on top yep. of everything and they're underneath all of it. And I'm yep. like, I'll leave it. I got to rebuild this thing. So there's decoys down there already. I do have to probably go with a knife and some cord and untangle and reattach weights. <laughs> and, Cause I think what yeah. happened is when the water came up for irrigation mm-hmm. when the, during runoff and irrigation, I think the water level came up yep. and flooded underneath that blind and the decoys floated and kind of swirled around in there because they were all stacked and put yep. away nice and neat at the end of the season. Weren't they in bags too? Some, Some of, of them, them were in bags. Yeah. And then they're all, it's like one big knotted mess nice. of decoys. Well, that, that'll be fun. Yeah. Like I said, a knife and new cord is what that's going to amount to. But anyway, yeah. that is what it is. But I got to do that this week because we've got, we're actually going to start hunting yep. this weekend, which I'm ready. You know, is I'm, it just going to be you and Ramsey? Ready. You doing yeah. F- um, because we're going to, we're going to do a, a podcast. Mm-hmm. That'll be a fun hunt. And so, yeah, this first one's just going to be us. And then after that, the floodgates are going to open and I'm going to have to, I'm going to get out and start scouting. Yep. Um, we need to do. We don't have a lot of geese in the area yet, but we will. And yeah. that's one of the things we didn't get a lot of last year because we just didn't have the birds. Yeah, That's something this year I want to do more of. I and want to do more dry land goose hunts yep. and, and some dry land mallard hunts if we can find yep. them. Um, and just kind of branch out a little bit. Yep. You know, we've got some plans to travel a little bit. Hopefully that works out this year to go to some other states mm-hmm. and give this – a new look kind of broaden our horizons a little bit yep we've we've done a really good job laying down content in our backyards yep and keeping our costs low and still providing good quality content we're blessed because we live in an awesome area for that and let's face it dude out west not every place has ducks no. and geese. <laughs> I grew you up in southwest Wyoming. Wyoming. It doesn't have it for the there's most nothing. part. Where you grew up, there's nothing down there. No. For well, the most part. You can you go sit in a sit in a pond next to the sand dunes or you can or you can really go and hit like north on the Green River, but even then you're not um, you're not in a great flyway no. for ducks you can actually eat. No. It's a lot of golden eyes. Well, and it was the same way when I first moved to Wyoming in the northeast corner. There's the duck hunting virtually non-existent. Is there some? Yes. yes. There's always some stock ponds with some teal on them yeah. or whatever. And there's there's a 
there's spots that hold ducks and you could it wasn't too far to drive to like the north Platte, yeah or go to torrington or something like that or even that. jump the border to south dakota yeah but even then it was a, it was a haul because western south dakota doesn't mm-hmm. have you got to go a little ways you got to get past the river you got to get past well to the river you know and there's some spots around rapid city area you start mm-hmm. from rapid city east you start to get into some where there's some birds but the, yeah the western us is is pocketed and once you understand that if you're not on a river corridor yeah like a major river corridor you're not gonna have birds no and we are blessed here because our river was developed by the very forward thinking buffalo bill cody Mm -hmm. who basically said wow i think we could grow crops in this valley if we could figure out how to irrigate it Yep. Well, guess what? They figured out how to irrigate, and they built one of the most advanced irrigation systems in the entire world. Yep. And we grow, literally here in the Bighorn Basin, we grow the bulk of barley for Anheuser-Busch yep. and Coors. This is where it comes from, which is pretty amazing because this yep. is high desert. Yeah. I mean, our town sits at just shy of 5,000 feet. The construction we did on our house, it was kind of crazy. Like, they obviously they had to dig because we put in an egress window. And yeah. so they just dug it out. That soil's black. Oh, yeah. Like, under, under, the, under the house, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a lot better than what it looks. It's just the plants that are here populated the soil. Right. So, you know, well, it looks like it, sage. Because it's, it's arid. You know, without water, you can't mm-hmm. grow the crops out here. And yep. so we're kind of an anomaly yep. we sit out here in the high desert and we've got exactly. a really nice population of migrating waterfowl mm-hmm. and they've always migrated up and down but i think more birds stay here now mm-hmm. because of the ag yeah there's actually food for them right 100 years ago well, there's nothing they just lived on the river yep and that's pretty that they still do i mean that, that's the river is why they're here yeah the river is why they're here but yeah, not every place out here has that. So not every place has the accessible hunting, accessible waterfowl hunting yep. to make you a good waterfowler. It's tough. It's tough. But, yeah, I'm excited for this season. Um, I'm ready to actually get out. Yep, and me too. a little bit. Um, I'm ready. My dog's ready. Yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm holding myself and Hondo back. Because in the past, we'd be hunting, and we'd have been hunting birds all fall. But I, I really want to avoid some of those mistakes yep. that I've made in the past. Yep. And so I'm trying to be patient mm-hmm. with the process. And it's been tough because it's like, man, I watch his ability with his nose, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this dog is a machine. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's going to be he's going to be amazing by the time it's said and done. And... I will play a very small part in that. Yeah, it's just basically be it's giving them the tools, harnessing the raw talent yep. that's there, and I'm excited, really excited about it. But yeah, it's time, man. Season's open. I wish we had just unlimited time to go out and play, but yep. we got to work too. So. Yep. Well, we'll get out. I'm I'm gonna try and go out sometime next week. Take a morning, go out, and bring Ace after you guys get done. So. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, like I said, we're supposed to get a big cold front Yeah, this week, mm-hmm. like rolling tonight, I think, mm-hmm. which should push some more birds into the area. Hopefully it doesn't push them out. 
No, I don't think they'll do that this early, but it it should push four birds into the area and it should make filling the remaining big game tags that you and I are sitting on mm-hmm. a lot a little easier. Because I know that's, for me, that's always a concern. I get to this time of year, and I'm like, I'm crunch, super crunched for time. And sitting on a cow elk tag that is largely weather dependent yep. is, is kind of like, let's get this done so I can hunt birds. Yep. I need that. I need those groceries in the freezer, <laughs> but I want to be hunting ducks and geese. So And pheasants. I'm excited to chase some pheasants. My dad's coming out. My folks will be here for Thanksgiving. Um, and then they're going to stay through the first part of December because my dad's got a yep. late elk, bull elk tag. Mm. And so he'll be in the blind. I'm going to try to get – actually, last year we didn't have enough birds. We tried to film yep. like the father-son deal. Yep. Didn't work. Didn't have any birds. And yep. so um, going to try that again this year. But there's a boatload of pheasants around. Yep. And so I'm going to try to put together – like in an afternoon, like, hey, grab a bunch of dudes and let's go push a let's couple go fields. Try to find, shoot some roosters. So that'd be pretty. Well, that'll be fun. That'll be fun too. So, well, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, I no appreciate problem. it. We got a lot of season to 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 go, and it'll be fun to sit down on the blind and do some yep. of these. That's what I'm going to try to do too this year. Um, is figure out how to do some of these from the blind. It was kind of like. We tried once last year and didn't ever seem like we could have <laughs> all the equipment together that we needed. And yep. Anyway. But lots of stuff. So, well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate hey, it. No problem. Looking forward to this season for sure. Me too. Talk to you later. Cool. You too. Hey, guys. That's a wrap with Scott Reekers from Eastman's Hunting Journals and one of my compadres here at Wingmen. Uh, Scott was vital in the early years of actually keeping Wingmen uh flying for lack of a better pun um just because he i was not a i i was not in powell i was not a full-time eastman's employee yet and scott was and so he was largely responsible in those early years for the content that you saw whether it was a blog or website social media and then slowly yours truly has kind of taken the helm on that and Hopefully it's as good as it was back in the old days. I don't know, but anyway. Your Facebook following says it's better. Scott's a great addition to what we do here and, and very important to what we do here. And he's a good hunting partner as well. It's been fun to watch him and his dog Ace mature over the last few seasons. And looking forward to this one to see where how we end up this year so thanks for joining us and until next time we'll see you in the field